Hello and welcome to Harold Hay. It's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. And today we are talking about Freeze Frame, which was written by Joseph Purdy, directed by Tuck Tucker, who is the director with the greatest name. Tuck Tucker, it's a great name. Fantastic. Uh, this is a classic neo-noir film um, turned into an Harold episode. Uh, we get to see a lot of great detective work by Arnold and Gerald. We get to see a guy named Port Pie. Uh, we get to uh, hang out with Mr. Green um, and talk post-structuralism. I mean, it sounds great, right? What yeah, do you think, Adam? It sounds, I mean, it sounds fantastic, and it is fantastic. Yeah. Hey, we, we're glad you're tuning in. I mean, there are a lot of really great podcasts to listen to right now, mostly about politics and uh, fascism. Uh, <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> We're, yeah, sadly, true. yeah. We're glad that you're tuning in to listen to us. Um, I think I say the word Trump once, but we don't talk about him. So no, we don't talk about him at all. So if that's your thing, this is safe. Yeah, it's, it's a, a safe, safe place. Episode. Uh, yeah. Um, but seriously, thanks for tuning in, and we would love it if you would, and or, uh, help or us all of the above. You can check yeah. that as well. Um, help us out with. Uh, we have a. Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Harold Hay. The uh, internet burp, you know we're in California. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, we're in California. <laughs> um, or at least the West Coast, somewhere on the West. Uh, rate and review us. Um, stop what you're doing. Pause it really quick. Unless you're driving, keep driving. Uh, pause it really quick and rate us as many stars as you see fit. And I say five, but that's just me. Review us too. Say a few words. Yeah. Oh, and email us. Uh, hey. Uh, dot handled hey at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you have any questions or insights or anything, a part of the Patreon thing is we're trying to make it more interactive with the listeners. Exactly. So if you have insights, if you have questions, whatever you have, throw them our way and we'll answer them on air. Maybe do a little mini episode. A lot of cool stuff. You can yeah. pay a dollar a month to hear these fools talk about this cartoon. Wait, or you what? can pay nothing, whatever you want. I mean, if you want to be a parasite and everything and not contribute, yeah. then that's fine. And I don't judge you because I'm a parasite too. We want it to be um, more symbiotic. <laughs> well, you know, like the like I'm the, just so like tired the birds of being the... poor. That's what it is. Yeah. And I'm just thinking I got into this to make money and I haven't made any. So I'm starting to wonder <laughs> what am I wait, doing? Wait, what? Oh wait, podcasts don't make you thousands of dollars a week. What? <laughs> It can't be a full-time job. Uh, hire us. All right. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy Freeze Frame. Uh, and uh, yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... <laughs> finds Gerald and Arnold as directors, movie makers, uh, ingenues, uh, filming a movie of Stinky jumping into leaves. And as they're editing this movie, uh, they see a strange guy wearing a port pie hat. They call him port pie for the rest of the episode, uh, putting an envelope into the tree. And they decide, oh, this guy is pretty mysterious. Let's let's solve this mystery. So they kind of set off on this neo-noir true crime uh, docudrama uh, they take the camera they find out that in the letter um, it says uh, uh, 
porpoises at two o'clock and they figure out this is at a merry-go-round um, around this like industrial area. Uh, uh, this is That's where these two guys are meeting. Uh, this guy's meeting with whom they find out is another dude. And so Gerald and Arnold kind of stay a couple animals behind on the merry-go-round and videotape them. And um, they're talking about this guy named Marty and uh, they keep saying, we're going to get him. We're going to, you know, he doesn't know what's coming. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, and so, of course, Gerald and Arnold start thinking, what could this be? It seems sketchy. So they see these guys drive off in a taxi um, and through detective work, just keen detective work. <laughs> they go they go to the taxi cab uh, center and uh, you can tell that I grew up in the suburbs because they just called it the taxi cab center. I don't know the dispatch. There we go. Uh, uh, and sneak into this lady's dispatch room and gets a hold of the taxi that drove these guys, find out where they went. They go follow these guys. They see them pulling out all this stuff from a trunk, like a clown masks and, um, rope, rope and, uh, a a couple tanks of who knows what. And so they start going, Oh my gosh, this could be like a real crime and we might solve it and save somebody. Uh, but just as they're about to do that, um, Gerald falls into a trash can and rolls in front of them. And so these guys, there's like a, a nice chase, a nice, a classic, uh, classic neo-noir, uh, chase. And, um, it ends with them with like not knowing at all what to do. Uh, and so there's, they're back at the house. Um, oh, they run, they run into Mr. Green first before they go to the house. Mr. Green's like a local, local butcher, um, uh, which will come into play later. Uh, they go back to their place and um, to Arnold's place and uh, are like not sure what to do. And then they, this is like the greatest um, taking technology to its nth degree, even though it was way ahead. Like there's no way that two nine-year-olds could have done this, but Arnold figured out the tone of a, of the phone that port pie dials in order to get a hold of him. Um, for his messages or something. Uh, but then they call him like they call this strange man and figure out where they're going to be. And they show up at this like giant warehouse and who else is there? Mr. Green. And guess what? It all turns out is just a surprise birthday party. And, but maybe not. And they wrap it up by maybe starting another mystery. Um, there's a lot more details. It's kind of a, it's an episode with a lot of minutia, but it's a, it's a pretty fun mystery. Um, and that's freeze frame. Um, yeah. What's I'll tell you my favorite part that has nothing to do with the plot. And that's Mr. Green's voice. Yeah. That is the most notable part of the entire episode. It's like, hello, hello. And it never changes. It's like this marbly, like, hello. Yeah. That's right. I can't do it. It hurts for their money. (laughs) Man. Um, also, just a little note. I don't know if has Mr. Green been in the show yet. Is this the first time? I think he has been, just really in passing. I like that his place is called Green's Meats. Yeah, that's, that's gross. Good. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, and also his suit is very dapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Another note. Yeah, Arnold and Gerald's technology experience is amazing for nine-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you think? Uh, what's your like hot take on what this episode's about? I don't know. I think it's just like playing with the form of like the neo-noir form. And mm-hmm. kind of like really leans into all the tropes. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, it's it like, there's a lot, it reminds me of a lot of episodes 
um, that we've reviewed and talked about before where it, it's kind of like just like a really pleasant story. Yeah, yeah, it, definitely. It, yeah, like I think there's some – if you want to recheck, there's some things you can pull out of it and like uh, some rabbit holes. But I, I think – Overall, it's supposed to just be like kind of a pleasant story. Yeah. If nothing else, it was like well put together. Even if it does have some ridiculous moments of like, how did these nine year olds do this? It, it's like but fun. that's like the yeah. how all the episodes kind yeah, of are. Yeah, totally. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't know how far we want to go into it quite yet. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a thesis scene. I guess I think primarily the episode, and this leans into noir films. It leans into. Um, kind of some structuralist ideas that you can pull from this episode. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, this episode is about um, uh, letting your thoughts spiral out of control, I guess, uh, making assumptions, um, uh, jumping to conclusions. Uh, And there's actually a scene where um, Gerald kind of calls Arnold out and then quickly backtracks. Uh, Let's listen. Hold on a sec. I got to check my messages. Man, this guy Jed's irking me real bad. He keeps calling, asking what time we're getting Marty tonight. Seven o'clock, seven o'clock, seven o'clock tonight. What are those? I think they're gas canisters. Why would Porcupine need those? Boy, these canisters are really going to help us blow them up. And you know how much Marty hates when things blow up? (laughs) (laughs) Marty sure has it coming to him after all he's done to us. (laughs) I do not trust these guys. And who's this Marty? I thought these masks would be a nice touch. <laughs> man, oh man, these will do Marty in. <laughs> Marty in? You know what that means, don't you? They're gonna 86 him. What does that mean? You know, plant him, rub him out, take him off the menu. Calm down, Arnold. Let's not jump to conclusion. Oh man, there's no doubt about it. Tonight we're gonna finish Marty off. All right. Now we can jump to conclusions. So in that scene, they first see the mask and the tanks and, and you know, Arnold kind of starts freaking out, uh, kind of loses it. And Gerald's like, dude, calm down. Right. I mean, he, but instantly backtracks when they see the rope. So Gerald calls Arnold out and then decides, actually, I am going to jump to conclusions. So even in the, like, they can't help themselves, which feels like neo-noir too there's a lot of like who done it's a who done it like you're you're assuming you know who it is early on in the film but by the end it always switches around um and and there's some post-structuralist stuff there as well um yeah and like you had mentioned off off my conspiracy theories like there's a lot of directions that we can go just thinking about the way that people jump to conclusions um where to begin where to well, begin i I'll I'll just go into my little conspiracy theory thing because sure. I think yeah yeah it it actually intertwines nicely with what you want to talk about. Um, so I think the obvious like conspiracy theory components of it is like they have some sort of snippet of a film that they have, and out of this like larger sort of scene, they like dial in and they see something that's like on the very very micro level that probably is nothing. But it like if you use your imagination, you could draw some certain conclusions from it. Also, I think there's just fundamentally within conspiracy theories, there's like a hyper antisocial component to them. Mm-hmm. And even the way that they're um, the, the film that they're shooting is very antisocial in a way because mm-hmm. they're like in the background yeah. of mm-hmm. this sort of very sort of banal, normal childlike scene. Um, but they're like passive in it mm-hmm. and documenting it rather than engaging in sort of the childlike play that's going on. 
Um, so I think it's like a, a very, the observational role um, from the very beginning of it to me is sort of interesting um, all the way through. Um, and I, I'm making a you don't say face because that was some pretty good stuff. Thank you. And and also when you do, you know, uh, on the Internet there, they have the Wikipedia. And I just like kind of gave it a, a glance of like consp- the, uh, conspiracy theories. And there's one little thing I thought that was kind of interesting. It says they're usually perpetrated by governments or powerful actors. And I think that is interesting in, given our context mm-hmm. because from a child's perspective, adults are very powerful actors. So I think there's like um, between the kids and the adults, like there's this like not totally relatable component to it, too, which makes very obvious sort of boring things to be shrouded in some sort of potential mystery Mm. that maybe is nothing more than something very normal. Mm. And so I think often conspiracy theories are centered around things where one group of people do not fully understand another group of people. And that sort of gap Mm -hmm. allows for these conspiracy theories to arise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think you're kind of seeing that throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah, and and like th- them d- in, even just in that scene, Gerald doubling down makes it like hard not to believe anymore for for these kids because Arnold sees it one way, Gerald doesn't until he does, and and doubling totally. it down kind of solidifies for the two of them. We're in this together. Like, yeah, we have to see this through. Um, so the the initial scene in this episode which is them watching a movie and seeing something um uh, nefarious in the background is a direct reference to this film blow up uh it's in the mid 60s uh, it's by oh um michelangelo and antonioni um who i don't know if that's how you say his name i'm not italian <laughs> uh, i'm sorry i just realized as i said it like that was not i don't think that was right um so uh, this movie is about it, it kind of connects to this episode in two ways. So first of all, just the, the very um, basic opening scene of seeing something nefarious in the background. It's about a, the movie blows blow up is about a photographer um, who uh, caught these two people like making out in a, in a park and he decided to take a photo of it. And, um, as he's developing it, he notices in the background that there's someone with a gun in the back and he uh, in the in the background, like in a, in a bush. And he decides he's going to try to figure out what this is. And this is like a small part of the movie. The whole the movie is much longer than the the mystery that takes place in the center. But um, so before I even jump into like the context of uh, this, there's like some postmodernism and, and a, a poststructuralism that is tied to that movie that I think also connects to this episode as well but if nothing else if i'm totally wrong about uh the critical analysis of that the image of seeing something nefarious in the background and then like zooming in is exactly the same as the movie blow up and so it's an interesting like it's 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 a fun mystery um that unravels in both um the film and and this episode so that's that's a fun like easter egg if nothing else um but if i'm going to jump in a little bit deeper go to the deep end of the pool here um, uh, we'll start with kind of the change from modernism to postmodernism. So people, some people think that this movie kind of kicks off, um, uh, the death of the modernist film. Um, so whether you think of the filmmaker of the, of the movie or the photographer that the movie's about, uh, there's, there are two ways that, uh, uh, cameras have been used in, in art history. One is, 
uh, as an exacting thing where it's like, this is a thing. And I'm, 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 uh, uh, like trying to like perfect perfectly re- like represent reality um so modernism would be just after that so there'd be realism modernism oh, okay, and yeah, yeah. postmodernism um realism is that something can be fo- realism would be like something can be um understood uh just by the thing mm-hmm. um the beautiful thing that's being made mm-hmm. modernism will include like frac like fracturing but like doing it in such a way that a perfect idea is being presented um and so it's like there's knowledge that can that can exist in modernism um postmodernism then fractures the fracturing it's saying you can't know anything um through art making so the photographer in the film his day job is photographing product so for magazines and for you know commerce he'll he'll shoot uh clothing um and just like still lives for these, you know, to be purchased, um, possibly, uh, and by the way, I haven't seen it. This is like my basic understanding from uh, doing some research on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm wrong, please correct me. It's fine. Uh, but then his true passion is this like artistic, like, Oh, I'm, I'm the artist, like Like doing raw. Yeah. This more raw thing. And so he, he's trying to have it both ways. And then he catches this guy, uh, in the background and he decides to double down on the idea that I can know what I need to know by this photograph. Um, and what I need to know is who's the murderer. Um, this murderer existed. This murder happened. Um, and so the question is like the question of what is real gets thrown into the air. And he thinks he knows based on just looking at that photo. So I have a question. for Yeah, you. go ahead. So, so, in what you're talking about and how it relates to this handled episode as well, is it's like that it's almost a futile exercise just trying to deduce some sort of meaning from this art or from this piece. Right, right. And it's showing through blow up and through this episode yeah. that that's actually potentially, I mean, intellectually harmful and bankrupt. It is, exactly. And, and the way that both of these relate is that the artist then puts himself into the work, which already is breaking the, the modernist experience a little bit. Like... I mean, Jackson Pollock, I guess, would be an idea of like transitioning from modernism to postmodernism, where like his hand, like his hand gestures, like the action, yeah, the action, or Rauschenberg, who has like the the pillowcase that he slept on on the canvas. So, I, I think there are elements of human touch in either, but uh, postmodernism, and as well, when you think of poststructuralism, both of those are going to say you can't simply know everything about the art by looking at the art. You can't look at a thing and say, I know everything about it. Even if you like do deep um, uh, investigation, which uh, the artist in Blow Up and Arnold and Gerald do, and they think they know, and I don't want to give away the ending of the movie, but uh, a lot a lot of things crumble for the artist in Blow Up. Like he thinks he knows something that he actually doesn't know. Uh, and, and that's kind of the question posited at the end. And I think this episode is about that a lot. Um, how... You know, they so they jump, they're jumping to conclusions. Um, they think they know exactly what's happening and it gets flipped on its head. It's actually this positive thing. It's, it's this group of men who want to honor their friend. Um, that's completely different than murdering them. And so the, uh, the last little like deep dive I'll do is post structuralist theory would say, um, once the author, uh, uh, Bart 
said this, uh, once the author lets go of what the author says, um, the author is dead, no longer has any control over it. And so in some ways, these two men who are saying these things, as soon as they're said, if anyone else hears it without the context, I mean, I kind of don't blame Arnold and Gerald for getting to where they got because they're hearing stuff like we're going to get him and, you know, seeing ropes and masks, um, seeing these mysterious guys. So of course they're going to like jump to that conclusion. But so not only is the author, um, dead in the situation where, uh, these words don't have the meaning that Arnold and Gerald thought they did. Um, it, they also end up being not completely trustworthy. Arnold and Gerald put their whole trust into what, well, and it's like, it shows the, how limiting their perspective is because exactly. if they would have seen that, that situation at a different point, they have may have deduced mm-hmm. that this is purely something positive. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's the text. If the idea is when the text is let go, the author's dead. Everything here is the text. So even, even the, the movie itself, Arnold and Gerald, it's like, they're the authors. It, it kind of gets convoluted because they're the authors of this text, the film, but then the guy who wrote the note in the, uh, that's in the tree also, that's, that's also, um, a level of art that's been let go a level of, that that's also the text, right? So there's text in the letter, there's text in the film, and then there's also the text of us watching it. So it's also unfurling for us. So it's like, I think what you're saying also is, so when the pork pie left the note in the tree, he is like letting go of like sort of the thing that he has created yeah. and then for somebody else to pick it up. Yeah. They don't know what the initial intent was, but they can only deduce what they know and what the situation calls for. And so if you want to be, if there's, there's, that's not a pure exchange mm-hmm. because there's no way of knowing what the original intent is. And then you're using your perspective to sort of write this new story on top of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, he's expecting that this guy that knows the context is going to pick it up. But if anyone else was to jump in to see that, totally, then yeah, there's a new narrative that's being created. And also because, so if you think about it in the context we were talking about before, like the only, the person that the, the letter was intended for mm-hmm. knows the intent because it came from the mouth of the author. But if in any other context, that's nearly impossible. Right, right. So if you're in a museum, like, yeah, you can read a little blurb about mm-hmm. the author, mm-hmm. but you don't, you didn't sit down and talk to them about the piece. No. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like. Yeah, uh, when when the two guys meet up, it's like they're talking about his work yes. to the next level. And he's actually participating in it. It's yeah, like it's collaborative this, at yeah, that point. Yeah, it's a collaborative work. Um, but I, and I think to talk to talk about when you were talking about the, the movie Blow Up, which this is perfect because we both haven't seen this film. But uh, <laughs> you basically talk about like a sense of unraveling. And I think that goes on in this right. episode as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like there, it almost becomes sort of it's like reverberations of like the initial event and and because there's two of them they can sort of their their psychosis can sort of back bounce back Mm -hmm. and forth between Mm -hmm. the both of them so this sort of antisocial behavior then has like a multiplying effect because they're both adding their ideas of what they think that they know Mm -hmm. and it's creating something much larger like if it was just arnold he probably wouldn't have gone this far or if it was just gerald he probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. have gone that far but since it was both of them working together they're like combining their sort of lack of knowing mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're what they're deducing to create something that is basically insane. 
so another layer to throw on this is the criticism of technology um, as a means of um, exacting knowledge. Or um, did I say that right? No, right. I, I totally see. So, so they're expecting like, oh, well, we zoomed in. We got the tone of the, the, yeah. the phone. Like tech, there's an idea that like technology is science and uh, therefore untouchable. But uh, a huge issue with photography, especially as digital photography became uh, a bigger deal. There are a lot of, um, I, I, I wish I could remember the exact situation, but um, early 2000s, um, a journalist got in huge trouble. It was one of the most famous photographs of the year, and he got in huge trouble because they found out that he had altered it a little bit using photo, an early version of Photoshop. And um, uh, I feel like an idiot for not knowing the specifics, but it had to do something with um, uh, some conflict in the Middle East. And uh, the morality that came up was, the moral and ethical conversation that came up was, wait, we thought that cameras gave us proof. Turns out they don't. Yeah. Um, it turns out that we have to set ethics for filmmakers because if we don't, then yeah. they can do whatever the hell they want. And so it comes to the same thing with like journalism, journalistic integrity, political integrity. All these things are journalistic and political integrity have a much longer history because they've been around longer. Mm -hmm. um, photography is a especially uh, photography that can be adjusted and more um, realistically. That's like a short, a well, shorter yeah, lifespan. It's like you can't, you can't um, sort of, there's no way to when you're like, there's a supposed feeling of like um, just something that the accuracy, because you're using the sort of the, the devices at your disposal, like in the correct fashion, yeah. therefore, but that, but there's still a lot of room for ill intent. Mm -hmm. So if they're basically Arnold and Gerald are basically using the computer in these things to sort of like validate these thing ideas that they have in their mind or in their head, which are actually incorrect. Mm. So it's like the technology can't say like, Hey, like I know that you think this is what this is. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. It's not going to fill in the gaps yeah. and say like, they're filling in the gaps. Yeah. They're filling in the gaps. Yeah. So it's just using, and that's why I think the, a lot of that is happening right now. I think the spread of sort of conspiracy theories in general or bad thinking, let's say, is happens, I think, to a larger degree now because there's so many different ways to validate bad ideas. Mm. And so, like, obviously social media can be used for good and for bad. And I think you see through social media, through YouTube, through all of these different means, like, bad ideas being spread at a very fast rate mm. because it's the same sort of echo chamber thing where you have, like, one person with one idea and then when another person sees that and reads a specific comment they're looking for the same thing as that person was writing mm -hmm. about so it just validates itself along the way yeah yeah another point that is adjacent but maybe not completely the same is uh, when arnold uh, comes up with an uh, of course comes up with an ethical dilemma towards the end when gerald's like hold on let me let me load up the camera and arnold's like no like this, someone's life is at stake forget the camera and that's such a trope of um mockumentary not mockumentary but like pseudo uh, documentary films where where maybe it's about a documentarian who gets involved in the story yeah they're right? in too like, deep yeah they're in too deep and it's like and that was when I set down my camera and started doing the real work. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like that little ethical dilemma of when is it too far? Um, 
Like, when do you... Well, and that's like, uh, that was another issue, and this is, God, we should have researched this better, but there, there was an issue with, like, I think a war photographer, and they were taking photographs and stuff, and or video of somebody that was really injured, and yeah. it's like this sort of, like, uh-huh. in art and, and, and photography, is like that ethical dilemma of, like, documentation does it become unethical at a certain right, point right. and what is your role as the doc the, uh, documentarian i guess and um when is it exploitative essentially i think in this episode it's clearly exploitative <laughs> yeah um i think it like well, they're and they're just bored yeah i'm very much open to saying that a certain uh, up until a certain point um documentarians are doing just as much good work as the people giving physical aid. I think depending on their motive, obviously depending on their um, financial means, whatever. But um, the issue, there's a term uh, uh, that came out, especially um, mid two thousands called disaster porn. Have you ever heard that term before? And so there comes a point where it's no longer um, helpful. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not saying it never is not helpful, yeah, yeah. but um, purely uh, documentarian work is really important, yeah. except this one, it clearly is them. It's, it's a little bit of like looking for the, looking for the mystery that isn't really there. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's, it, I don't, even in this, in this episode, I think it, it provided them an experience that was very unique. And I think it's like looking at reality or life through like a critical eye hmm. can lead you down rabbit holes. And it takes sort of like a mature mind to go, I'm like going to a space I shouldn't go to. And then you sort of redirect. Do you know what I mean? I thought, it's like a dis, a level of discipline. What's funny is I thought you were actually going to a play. Like you'd said that so realistically in my eyes that I thought you were like going to bring up like Trump or something. And like, no, not. no, but I, I don't know. I just like knowing like what it feels like to go in those research rabbit holes. Totally. It's like, yeah. you think like, man, I'm learning so much. And then there's a point where it's like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You're just like validating frustration or you're validating something. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, uh, speaking of rabbit holes, how, how deep do we want to go here? Is there any more? Do you have anything that you're like saving like a, like a no. little pickle jar. No, this, that's what I like. I think in my, like my initial thoughts of the episode was, I just feel like there's so, like, this is just, it is this episode like is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's kind of obvious. I think, I think like the points we've talked about are definitely there. Do you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's like one consistent idea that's like followed through from beginning to end. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It does. It's not like there's a whole lot of turns and twists and stuff. Yeah. Um. Great. Well, let's let's talk about the cry of the week. Let's talk about it. Uh, I know mine. It's uh, I I actually really like it when Mr. Green says to his friends, "You got me, guys. You really got me." And he's like kind of crying. He's like Mm -hmm. moved. And it's okay. So and maybe this will go down a tangent, but. We've talked about how this show champions um, like the blue collar American worker in a really unique way. Like a really um, it's, it's not about, it's not like it takes a man to be a man. It's not like that kind of blue collar worker. It's more like what's the soft underbelly of, of... well, I feel like it's just like they highlight like the average American. Yeah. Like I love seeing these, this really diverse set of, uh, of butchers coming together to celebrate like one of their favorite guys who also is a butcher in town. It's like a really, 
Well, that's like the community, the community aspect of it. Like, oh, of, yeah. It's so it's so good. Like uh, a bunch of grown men going out of their way to like scare the shit out of this guy mm-hmm. uh, just because they love him that much. It's like a really it's a beautiful Americana moment that isn't um, what you expect it to be because there's so many totally. like. Uh, even in this show, there's like the baseball moments or mm-hmm. like super Americana. Like this is like, uh, this is an inner city Americana that I don't understand because I didn't, you know, yeah. we, I, we had one butcher that we sometimes went to, but going to a butcher wasn't really a thing. And so this like, well, and it's like the, the like the small time business owner, like mm-hmm. shopkeeper types the type thing, which still exists. But I feel like, yeah, it's, it's like a romanticized version of America. Yeah. Yeah, I think I thought it was really beautiful. So I'm gonna give yeah. it um, three and a half tiers. I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know. I might opt. I don't have one this time. Maybe maybe I'll make one up. Sure. Um, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. I yeah, mean, I don't my know. feelings are hurt, but <laughs> I don't think I have one this time specifically. Okay. Hmm. But well, no. Let me think about this harder. Yeah, actually, okay. I think I do know what it is. I think it's that's right. Pull it out of your butt. That's right. <laughs> Um, you know, I think it's actually when the, it's when Mr. Green like realizes what's happening when he's confronted uh, by Arnold and Gerald, Yeah, because there's something like sweet about that moment. So like, these are happy tears, I guess, because I think he realizes like, oh, I'm like being fooled by my friends mm-hmm. and he's sort of playing along. Yeah. And there's yeah. something about that that was like, even like that was very sweet mm-hmm. and I think it's very idyllic and mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of awesome. Yeah. I mean the whole, uh, the last few minutes are really lovely and it it's nice. You get like a drop of Mr. Green about halfway through the episode and you're like, Oh, that was random. And it, yeah. it really pays off at the end. Like, totally. Oh, Oh, it was him. Like he's well, it's very, it's he's just, Marty. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. You get his first name. Yeah. You get to see the love from his friends. It's like a very sweet moment mm-hmm. and it's humanizing to his character. Yeah. A character that um, is like tertiary, but he's eventually, you know, he'll eventually have some, there's an episode where he runs for um, city council, which is pretty fun. Oh, nice. Um, I can't remember what else he did. Is he like the Bernie Sanders of Harold? He kind of sounds he has like the it. voice, yeah. I'm, I'm Bur- Hello. Free meat for everyone. <laughs> oh, socialist. Get out of here. <laughs> Um, I picked the song this week. It's called Johnny Got a Boom Boom, uh, <laughs> which maybe is a euphemism or maybe it has to do with being surprised on your birthday. Yeah, maybe. It's by Melda May uh, on the album Love Tattoo. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, uh, rate and review, please. It helps us yeah. out a lot. Yeah. Um, we have a Patreon that we are moving forward to the snail's pace. Uh, <laughs> what's the website again, Adam? Uh, for Patreon? Yeah, it's Patreon. It's like patreon.com like backslash or whatever. Hey, Arnold, hey. Cool. Yeah. Um, guys, check it out. Uh, we're hoping to have some cool stuff down the pipeline. With um, your help. With your help. Otherwise, we'll see you next time uh, with uh, the episode of Phoebe Cheats. Um, so enjoy. Enjoy your boom boom, Johnny. Boom boom.